I am dead. Easy on the wallet, but is it worth your time? We experience a true slice of death tale in order to find out here on Broke and Game. Welcome, absolutely everyone, to Broke and Gaming. I am your host, Shay. I am your other host, Dan, and I have a kitten in my lap. Hey, Shay, what have you been playing recently? <laughs> well, Dan, your Enter the Gungeon talk inspired me to... No, that's not correct. Play Enter the Gungeon. I did, though, get a game on Apple Arcade called Oceanhorn Chronos Dungeon, I think is what it's that's called. That's a terrible name. Yeah, baby. Ooh, I hate it. Literally, the premise of the game is exactly the same as Enter the Enter the Gungeon. And then the gameplay, also the same, and everything about it is exactly the same, except <laughs> that you can play as all four characters in the same dungeon. So oh, basically, cool. you, you, you swap back and forth. It's, you just it's supposed swap? to be like It's supposed to be like, um, like multiplayer Enter the Gungeon, like four-player multiplayer Enter yeah. the Gungeon. But yeah, if you're only playing with one person, you can just switch between all four characters at will so and there's a leveling system so i guess it's different enough that they avoided a lawsuit so (laughs) that's good but yeah if you take enter the gungeon and make it the easiest game you've ever played that's uh that's oceanhorn chronos dungeon or whatever the fuck (laughs) it's called oceans 11 chronos trigger Yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah I guess Oceanhorn is like an old and storied video game franchise, but I have not been impressed by what I've seen in that franchise so far. Not one that I'm familiar with. Yeah. And then Skyrim. That's it. Yeah. Lots of mobile gaming, actually, again, for me. So, boring stuff. That's fair. How about you, Dan? Mm -hmm. What have you been playing? Hopefully more than that. No. Significantly (laughs) less, in fact. Uh, So, like, Uh, I'm still getting through final fantasy 7 remake i am still at the shinra building it's so funny because i did like maybe 90 percent of the game in a few days and then it's taken me <laughs> two weeks to do the last 10 there you go but part of that's just because my schedule over the last couple of weeks has been ridiculous i've had one day off since we last recorded and even that was spent like doing things that had been put off because of the other things so also side note we talked about this privately, and I'm comfortable putting that this out there. I don't like high school kids in a DJ capacity. I will never do a school dance again, and I will leave it at that for now. Enough of the people in my real life have already heard how miserable this whole thing was. My God. So, other than that, I did download <laughs> Spiritfarer because I'm going to be a guest on our friend, Virgo 3's upcoming podcast about uh, mental health and gaming. So, I'm going to dive back into that when I have the time to do so. But that's that's really it. I haven't made the time for myself outside of what we're playing today. Awesome. Yep. Anyway, welcome to our video game podcast. <laughs> yeah. Where we know and talk about video games. Well, at least we did... <laughs> this game uh and let's just get right into the conversation about it and we will start as we always start with our short change history this episode we're covering i am dead which is a 2020 puzzle adventure game developed by hollow ponds and published by annapurna interactive i am dead is the third game developed by hollow ponds a studio co-founded by ricky and nikki haggart i just i think it's actually haggart Ricky Haggett had previously worked for UK's Honey Slug Studios and tapped friend and artist Richard Hogg, who he knew through a music connection, to helm the artwork on indie hit Ho Hokum. 
Hogg and the Haggits have continued to collaborate now with their own studio on the games Loot Rascals, Wilmot's Warehouse, and the upcoming Flock. I Am Dead is currently available for PlayStation, Xbox, Switch, and PC systems. Shay, could you do us a favor and tell us what this game is actually about? Yep. In I Am Dead, you play as recently deceased Morris something. Uh, Lupton. Sure. As he walks around as a ghost trying to collect mementos of other deceased people to ask them if they want to be the new protector of the island of Schmeltingham. <laughs> <laughs> I don't fucking know. The island of Sodor. Anyway, so Morris and his dog, Sparky, spend a lot of time collecting memories and mementos from people who knew his dead friends to try to save the island from an, an erupting volcano. Yeah. And there's a museum. And there is a museum. <laughs> so yes, so Morris Lupton was the curator of the museum on Shelmerston. And this whole thing is is interesting. Like, I think this is a study in how even the most basic life has impact. Like, you might not think that you mean a lot to people or that you don't have a lot of impact in this world, but like the things that you do in life do affect people in, in various ways that you might not see. Is that what this game was about? I think so. Yeah, because oh. I think I think <laughs> with Morris, he just kind of felt like he coasted through existence, like not really making waves or impacts on, on the people around him, which is why when he's tasked by his dead dog, apparently, to find a new protector for this island, he never even considers himself. Well, now, hold on a second. If you'll remember correctly from the beginning of the game, he does ask if he can do it, and then the dog's like, no, because you haven't been dead for a thousand days yet. Oh, you know what? You're right. That's fair. You're right, you're right, you're right. I did, I did skip over that detail. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fair. I That's what I took from it, and I, I might be really reaching here, but... I don't know. I, just, I really like the story in this. We'll get into the gameplay, but the gameplay really didn't have a whole lot to it. It was just kind of a vehicle for the story. Yeah. But I, I think the characters themselves were really well written. I think some of the mechanics that they used are really cool and innovative. But yeah, this this was like the weirdest and most interesting way to present almost a, a visual novel, right? Yeah. See, to me, the message of this game was the old ways are good, and if you can't fix that, burn the island down. <laughs> okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's also a way you could go. Okay, so what what was your impression of Morris and Sparky? I wanted to kill that dog the entire game. She is so annoying. Yeah, and kind of a, a dick to Morris at certain points. Like, now that yeah. you've mentioned that, like, yeah, she... she was very dismissive. Ugh, yeah. She drove me insane. Contrary to our experience, or, well, I guess my experience of Lump from our last game, Sparky is a companion character that I could live without having. I will muddle my own way through the game. Thank you very much. I never want to speak to her again. I also just didn't like the way the voice actress spoke. There, there was something, yeah. like, <laughs> sing-songy, and, and it came off as really patronizing to me like good for you good job oh you found the grankin yeah no uh sparky yeah. can fuck right <laughs> off a cliff did not care for for sparky every yeah. other character though i thought was acted well written well 
I loved the fish people so much. Yeah. I also like that they didn't fucking talk about that at all. About why there's fish people. <laughs> yeah, there's just there's just fish folk and also a race of toucan people. Yeah. Yeah. As well. And no mention of it. Which is great. Yeah. Because there are other animals. Like there are regular animals that are kept as yep. pets and companions. There yep. are just random rabbits all over the place. But yeah, for no reason. Bird people, fish people. <laughs> Fish people that love toast. Oh my god, fucking obsessed with it. That was Kit. I played this first like months and months and months ago. And pretty regularly, Kit or I will just say that toast thing just to each other. It's just stuck in our brains forever. Yeah. So the gameplay pretty much revolves around a singular idea, which is that as a ghost, you can kind of peer into objects you can't manipulate them directly but you can inspect them in like a 3d space which is a thing that they do in a, in a couple games but you can actually do this thing called slicing where you zoom in on it and it'll like peel back layers of the object you're looking at in order to find stuff inside of it or specific components or whatnot i don't think i've ever experienced that specific thing in another game before what about you so, uh, there was there's like similar things i think i can't think of any games ever when i want to talk about a video game that i have recognized a mechanic from but there have been like games where you could like look inside of a safe and check objects in there or something like that but it's mostly like point and click games the the like world manipulation is definitely not the same in those games like yeah. the slicing is feels very unique yeah, I know what you're talking about, though, because that is a thing in a lot of point and clicks where it's like, oh, it's written on the back of this picture frame and like yeah. it'll be the code for something like, yeah. Yeah, there was there was even a little bit of this, just like the the closer inspection of items in Call of Cthulhu, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're right. Where you could just look at clues to find things. A game but, I yeah, but really no, didn't but, want like, to think about ever again. <laughs> I have fond memories of that game because I'm so far removed from it that I I forget how much I hated it as I was playing. <laughs> we'll throw it on at some point. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the slicing was definitely a unique and very well done feature of this game. Yeah, it works so well, too. Like, it's not difficult to figure out how to manipulate it in a, in a 3D space. Like, the actual controls themselves make sense within the context. Snapping onto an object, snapping off of an object. Yeah. And there were some really, like, creative things that were just hidden for, like, no reason whatsoever. Ugh, yes. <laughs> Where you're like, oh, this there's a knife embedded in this coral formation. I wonder if that has anything to do with anything. It doesn't? Uh, okay, no. great. I mean... <laughs> no. <laughs> Correct. <laughs> so odd. Like, there are literal hundreds if not thousands of of objects to look at and you maybe only need what would you say like 90 to 100 tops that you absolutely have to look at yeah i wouldn't it's you have to look at i would say is even less than that oh yeah a lot of them because a lot of them are for the grinkins yeah which can also fuck right off a cliff yeah okay so let's talk about that real quick yeah yeah yeah. so we we've talked about the idea of false lengthening in games previously oh, oh boy does this one take the fucking cake there are two elements to this game that are exactly that 
they don't need to be there. And this has been a big point of criticism from just the gaming world in general when it comes to this. Like, the big point of contention seems to be the addition of Grenkins, which are these little... I don't know, how would you describe them? I think Sparky describes them as island ghosts. Sure. That will help you in some way. They don't, but... They're just like a mass of shapes, limbs, and eyes that are just hiding around the different maps that you explore. And you'll know they're around because fucking Sparky will mention every time you enter a room or a space or whatever that there is one in the area. And you have to then... You're given a picture that is a specific angle and specific layer of slicing for just a random object nearby. So you have to zoom in on it, slice through it, and turn it in just the right angle to get this Grenkin to appear. Well, in fairness to this mechanic, you don't have to get exactly the right angle, but you do have to get in the ballpark. There's a hitbox. Yeah, and there's like a heartbeat, I guess, for the shape that tells you you're getting closer or further away. It still sucks because you absolutely don't need to do it, but yeah. Because all it gives you is access to a Grinken garden, which is oh, just no an empty space with a <laughs> fucking circle in it with some <laughs> of the Grinkens that you have found, not all of them, <laughs> that you can just look at and then you just leave. That's it. That's literally it. It's nothing. It is the epitome of nothing. Oh, man, that sounds exactly like the menu that you can look at them on. Yeah, but, like, honestly, like, it just has them in a more 3D structure. But, like, oh, that's they're not anything to look at. No. Circles and squares and triangles and bent objects. It's just, it's nothing. It's so pointless. Yeah. And then the other part of this. Yeah, fucking Jeffrey the Giraffe, a.k.a. Mr. Whitstable, who yeah. has what he calls riddles, but are actually, like, scavenger hunts for things you may have come across in your travels yep and only by chance and also there's a time limit and it does take a little bit to get in and out of objects so like half of the time is spent backing out of the random poster that he's hiding in in every every stage yes and then he gets pissed off at you for not solving his riddle but yeah basically he gives you a shape and a very loose description of the object that you're looking for and then you have to go find it and it sucks horrible it's absolutely yeah. horrible at least mr Whitstable is intentionally obnoxious unlike sparky he's like any riddle master type character in whatever piece of literature he speaks cryptically he's got a song that he introduces himself with like he's <laughs> so he's awful so awful yeah. but consciously so i thought that it was funny that he looks like the fucking toys r us mascot <laughs> yeah but otherwise he sucks Ugh. yes yeah wonderful either way fuck you and i love you mr <laughs> whitstable <laughs> The reward for getting all of Mr. Whitstable's quote-unquote riddles is a scratchy song, like you're playing an old warped vinyl, of just him singing about himself and how riddles are super fun. That's it. Again, pointless. So did you end up finishing this? Yeah. Okay. Unfortunately. How cool are we with spoilers with this? I mean, is there something to spoil? I mean, sort of, kind of, just that the last chapter is the only thing I really want to talk about. Yeah, go for it. So in your quest to find a new 
guardian for this island, protector of this island, you actually end up going into the memories of fossilized ancestors from this island, like the first inhabitants. Dan, why is it that you can only do that at the very end of the game? Uh, <laughs> because... Because your dog fucking lied to you yeah. the whole game about this. Yeah, I was trying to think of a nicer way to put it, but no, that's that's exactly what it is. God, this dog sucks. Sparky's the worst. Oh, man, and then... Mm. <laughs> I'm getting fucking angry now. Like, you just just finished this, if you finished this, so I know this is... The anger is fresh in your memory, so I'm gonna let you yeah. take the, the helm. Yeah, so fucking... After you go through... Five different ancestors of the people from the island. Which, by the way, includes going into the memory, searching around for somebody who has the memory in the past, and then coming back out to the museum to find the artifact that was brought up in the memory. So this last chapter, again, falsely lengthened just by virtue of being inconvenient. Then you get to the end of all that, and your fucking dog is like, so we actually didn't need those mementos to talk to Aggie. She just wanted you to look at those memories, and I was about ready to throw <laughs> my virtual hands into that game and pull the dog out and throw it out the window. <sighs> I mean, it can. Sparky can fly, though. I don't know how much of the how much effect that would actually have. No, I um, would chase her the fuck down and throw her again and again. She could never <laughs> touch ground again. Oh boy. Yeah, so it makes the whole experience futile. And, like, I think I understand what they were going for and just, like, a, you know, history is really important and you got to know where everything came from and, and so on, so on, and connecting with your environment and whatnot. But, like, all it does, if you're really putting it under a microscope, is it's just a whole bunch of futile tasks for no reason especially when the island is in fucking danger of being set ablaze because of an erupting volcano like we're just dicking around an island by the way (laughs) that if it gets engulfed by a volcano has no effect on you a ghost right you're just trying to save the people you lived around uh which is a wild way to describe wasting time as the volcano gets more and more powerful yeah but sure yeah oh well, i mean i don't disagree i'm that's yeah, that's no, I... <laughs> oh man i'm getting fucking angrier and angrier at this game the more we talk about it well shit i, I mean... guess we better get into pros and cons i was just about to say <laughs> cons the whole game is a waste of time <laughs> From a story standpoint, there's no payoff on this game. I think because I didn't finish it the second time around that it, I kind of forgot <laughs> what the resolution was. In my brain, I think I rewrote it and retconned it so that Morris is the actual fucking hero the whole time. Because like genuinely, Sparky could have done this herself, I feel, right? Mm-hmm. There's no real reason yep. to include Morris in any of it. Uh-huh. Except to make him feel better. Yeah. About About being dead, which he already seemed more or less at peace with. He was bored, but like, it's not like he was haunting things. He was just slicing up objects for his own amusement. And in fact, described his daily routine to Aggie at the end of the game as what he thinks heaven looks like. So like... He was totally fine. Yeah. Yeah. Being that he doesn't end up being the guardian, which is, I was sure was what we were going towards. Why, though? 
I felt pretty strongly about like a third of the way into the game that Morris was definitely not going to be the custodian at the end and that Sparky was going to do it as Morris went into the West a phrase that they use to describe ghosts dying again i guess i think it's it's just moving on to the <laughs> ethereal yeah and then they were like ha no fuck you <laughs> yeah that that was also weird too like in each in each one of these sections you had to piece together the memories of someone like not not of the person but like of other people remembering a character like the yoga yeah. teacher in the lighthouse and then you could kind of summon that spirit or like reform it yeah. in order to talk to them and, and see if they're willing to be the, the guardian or custodian. More than once, they were like, oh, hey, what's up, Morris? No, I think I'm just going to like fuck off forever. That doesn't seem like a lot of fun. That happened five times. Yeah. But Dan, that happened five times. Yeah. Because uh, it's every single person that you talk to. Well, but you can you can revisit them, so they're not like gone, gone. Like you can go back to some of them. I, I don't know. I don't know. Greg, that guy sucks. <laughs> yeah. Fuck Greg. Ah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, he's he's great as a character, but like he's not a guy I want to go back to talk to. Yeah. That's all. Did you have a favorite of of them? No, they all seem to be like really set in their ways, old people. Yeah, it doesn't seem like anybody learned anything in no in death or no. the afterlife. Uh uh-uh. uh. Nope. Like the the one that was the closest was was Greg the the camp guy. Yeah. yeah, he was the one that was like the closest, but it was just like a really neurodivergent dude who was set in his ways that like didn't like a lot of noise that ran a campground. Bad combination, right? Like why? Maybe don't do Why that. Why did you do that? As a vocation. But it's like a dude that, doesn't, that tried. Doesn't like anybody's charging you money for anything. <laughs> right. So like, right. you don't really need to have a job. And you certainly shouldn't have this one if you hate children, noise, and people. But whatever. <laughs> uh, he, was, he was bummed out that someone hit the owl that he liked with a fucking frisbee, was it? Yeah. Yeah, good. Yeah, I don't know. Dude, you're getting angry and I'm getting more depressed because I really liked this when I first played it. And I just, I I played the whole thing with Kit. Kit played the whole th- thing through as well. And we both were like just really charmed by the art style, the innovation. And now I'm just going like, this was all so fucking pointless at the end of yeah. the day. God damn it. Hey, do you want to? Yeah. 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 Well, real quick, do you have any pros you would like to say for this game? I, I mean, I kind of just did, I guess. But like... <laughs> I guess the the specifics are going to come out in the in the rating system anyway. So, yeah. Um, at least How with this kind of thing. How do you feel about the sound engineering for this game? Kind of a little all over the place. Yeah. The the alarm type things seemed a little loud at times. I I really liked the music. I liked the ambient music that was just in the background. But yeah, when you'd get Whitstable's fucking giggles or Sparky <laughs> yelling about Grenkins. It seemed preternaturally loud for the rest of it. Yeah. I assume that's what you're, you're asking. <laughs> well, my big issue with this, first off, I forget what game it was that we just played where I was like, the music doesn't seem like it's looping. You can definitely tell the music is looping in this game. And, it, and the transition between the end of the track and the beginning of the track, again, is like really, really rough. Like they skips. It's not, badly. it's not a smooth. Yeah, it's not a smooth. Yeah, it took me out of it a little bit 
The other thing that I didn't like about this game that was more minor than the things we've already discussed, I am going deaf, I think, and so need to have subtitles on all of the time. It drives me insane when the subtitles and the spoken, like the voice actors don't match. Yeah. There were just enough times in this game that that happened that I noticed and it drove me insane. And it's not even like a translation issue. Like I just, for no, for no good reason, just because I needed something on in the background while I was uh, doing work stuff, I rewatched all uh, over the, like, the course of two nights just doing computer work, all of the Cowboy Bebop series. And sure. we have Netflix with uh, subtitles as a as a default. Right. And so We're often... decrepit. <laughs> yeah. Well, that and, and it's it's a sensory thing for, for Kit as well. But there's so many times where, like, that doesn't match up with what the... Oh, my God. Yeah. The actors are saying. <laughs> it's just so bad with that shit. I don't watch all anime in, in dub, but, like, Cowboy Bebop is... is like a, I would say a, equally good either way. It's really good, and it's just like there's just like a just a comfort thing to it because yeah, I love Steve Blum, and I I just love the way those characters are acting in the U.S. voices. But that's you know beside the point. This doesn't have that problem. Like it was written yeah. in English. It was it's done by a team from the U.K. There's zero excuse for that to be the case here. <laughs> You saying you watch Cowboy Bebop actually reminded me the woman who voices Sparky was in eight episodes of JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. No, is that true? <laughs> this past the, the the last season that just ended oh, goodness. a couple months ago. Yeah, she voiced um, background prisoners. So. Okay. It's <laughs> <laughs> just good. I looked everybody up in the cast to see if they had been in anything. Good job, Larissa. The answer Gallagher. is a resounding no, but. But yeah, she was in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, her credits are kind of... <laughs> Wild. Yeah, a kangaroo and a platypus in the new Animaniac, so that's pretty cool. Hey, gotta get work. Sure. Uh, one of them was in The Young and the Restless for like years and years and years. Seriously? Yeah, I want to say it was the, the guy who voiced Morris. Uh, the guy who vo- voiced the musician was in Terminator 3. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So some of these people are like real people. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's rude. Shit. They're all real people. <laughs> You're all special in your own ways. That's the point of this fucking game. Is it? No, I don't know. I don't know anymore. I'm starting to think. I don't know there's anymore. Not a point to this game. <laughs> oh, actually, it looks like this guy was not in the Young and the Restless. I will figure out. Oh, he directed a shit ton of episodes of the Young and the Restless. What? The Bold and the Beautiful and Days of Our Lives. Oh, that's awesome. This cannot be the right guy. No, I think we're running into the same issue with the Dave Ferguson, David Ferguson thing. <laughs> I mean, this guy has a picture on IMDb, like his his IMDb profile. So it's a little bit different than David Ferguson. But uh, I mean, who the fuck knows? Maybe he did direct 260 episodes of The Bold and the Beautiful. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I. Good lord. All right, now that we're so far removed yes, from pros and cons, let's you want to throw some it. points at this bitch? <laughs> yes. <laughs> oh, cool. gosh. <laughs> Up first, Dan, does it work? Yes. Easy point here if, if there ever was one. All of the stuff works great. It is probably the the cleanest part of the whole experience. Yeah. And because I'm is sure a lot of this isn't going to go well, <laughs> I'm going to at least make sure it has that one. <laughs> is it engaging? I I don't know. 
there's some really cool things to explore here, and some of the stories are genuinely engaging that you go through. Again, I love the fish mm-hmm. people so much. Getting into the history of the town, of the island, of some of these characters, I think is the most charming thing about the story element. Mm-hmm. So We do have a question for that. Yeah, so. but that's going to get tanked because it's all pointless. So <laughs> in terms of engagement... Uh, see, see, I would actually say that it loses it here. Would you? I say the story is the story is fine. Yeah. Oh, because we're not I mean, we're not really doing quality. Okay. So yeah. Hmm, all right. Yeah. Fine. No points for this. If we're if we're <laughs> if we're talking about the futility of what the story actually was, I'll say no point. Yeah. I'm also gonna give it zero points, as you may have guessed. I'm tempted to do a half just because of the gameplay element of it, because I really did enjoy manipulating the objects and and the slicing mechanic. I would agree with you, Dan, except it doesn't, like, build on it in any way. You know what I mean? Like, it doesn't get more, like, yeah. intricate or, you know, what I, you know what I mean? Yeah. It is, like, it really is cool. kind of just the same thing. It's just different yeah. types of objects and, and yeah, you're not yeah. discovering new ways to slice them or anything. Right. They do the nesting doll uh, thing, but that's about it. Yeah. No points from me. And it's mainly because, like, after the second person says no to you, you're kind of, like, in the back of your head, you're like, well... There's no way that I'm going to get to one of these people and they're going to say yes. And then we keep going. So like, I thought there was everybody's going to say no to me, right? I thought there was a possibility for Greg just because that was kind of what his job was, even though he hated it. Like the idea of of looking over a campground, just expand out to the whole island. I thought it was possible, but yeah. Yeah. So no points for me there. Does it look good? I really do like this art style. Oh, we might differ here. It's... It's like borderless drawings in a lot of cases. Like all the characters are done where it's just... Cell shaded is not the word for it because it's all like solid colors. It's a half point just because it's kind of inconsistent at times. I don't like the solid sprites for the the text boxes in between where it's like just... Yeah, man. Like a drawing of the character. I don't know. It looks so bizarre. That took me out of it a little bit. But I think the rest of this is really cool. I like the designs for a lot of the characters and objects and the environments themselves, I think are awesome looking, but not enough to give it a full point. I'm, I'm at a half. I am not going to give this a point. I think this is the ugliest looking character design I've ever seen Oof. in a video game. Oh goodness. Yeah. I hate to slam artists because I am not an artist myself and certainly not a video game artist. And so like, I realize it took a long time to come up with and carry out this design, but I think it just, in my humble, probably ignorant opinion, I think it looks just horrific. The environments look really good, but the character design is, in my opinion, inexcusable. You love Mr. Whetstable. I don't know what you're talking about. I think he's funny looking. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, so unfortunately, no points for me there. All right. Is there replayability? Okay. Cards on the table. This was kind of a slog to revisit. The amount of text that you kind of have to listen to is a lot for what is a relatively simple puzzle game. The Grenkins, there's no point to them. Mr. Whitstable's riddles, there's no point to them. I can't in good conscience give this anything for replayability. Yeah, zero points. I think the biggest reason for that is that if you play it again, like, you know what the ending is. Yeah. It's fucking futile. And to force yourself to go through that again is some masochistic bullshit. Yeah. 
So no point for me. Is there a story? Okay. So based on what we were saying before, yeah, I, this gets a full point. It is all story. Regardless of what we think about the quality of it, it is irrelevant. It, we can't deduct from both. So yes, there is a story. Full point. Oh, it's, I mean, it's our show, Dan. We can. We can do whatever we want. We want. Yeah. <laughs> that is true. It's unkind of us to deduct from both, but we can do whatever we want. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'll give it a point as well. Okay. We talked about that it. That made me nervous. <laughs> okay. I know, right? <laughs> All right. And finally, our big five-point question, is it worth the cost? So, I Am Dead retails across the board on all platforms at a whopping nineteen ninety-nine. You just played basically the whole thing in a day. What was your total time, give or take? Probably around three and a half hours. Okay. And that was with skipping, because I, I told you not to worry about the Grankins or what's the bull stuff. Yes. Yeah. So hunting those down tax on maybe another hour and a half, give or take. And part of that's yeah. skill based of like getting in and out of objects and, and whatnot. Mm-hmm. But the core gameplay is like three, three and a half hours. Or twenty bucks. For twenty bucks. I think I'm at like a two. I think there's a lot of cool ideas here but it fell short on so many specific things not making the grenkins or the riddles or anything like that integral which they could have easily done make it matter make it something that like actually factors into the grander scheme other than just things to do for the fuck of it i think would hey, have man, helped. if the grenkins are supposed to be island ghosts that are helping you on your journey if you find all of them you should unlock another ending Sh- fucking sure an ending Easy. that isn't just right looking there. at them in a circle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I think I think I'm in a two. This sucks because I do think it's worth checking out, and our yeah. numbers are not going to reflect that. I think there's just so many things that could have been done better overall. Yeah. I got a ton of enjoyment out of this with Kit. Something about this this revisit really broke things for me. But <laughs> yeah, two. Fuck shit. Two. Yeah. I'm going to give it a one because to me, this feels like a $10 DLC for a different, better game. And to double that price and also be the game is brutal. Yeah. So one point from me. Okay. I'm with you in that. I think this is like a really cool game to, to check out, but you should definitely find it on sale for like $2 or be a PlayStation plus subscriber. Yeah. Cause this is available for, (laughs) for PlayStation plus for free currently. But yeah, $20 is just, that's rough. It's rough. Yeah. All right. Well, crap. So that's going to put our final <laughs> scores for today at 4.5 points for me, three points from Shay. This is one of the more disappointing outcomes I've had for a game we've covered in that, like, I pitched it because I liked it. And here we are. Yeah. As always, I mean, take take what we say with a grain of salt. Uh, this might be perfectly up someone's alley. I'm not even sure what the target demo is for this game because other than the fact that it explores the concept of death and the afterlife it could be played by any age there's nothing in there that is inappropriate for for a younger audience but there's also nothing to really be learned like in other games that we've covered that deal with death like there's nothing here that's going to instill like a big life lesson or a coping mechanism or help you to grieve in any way it's just like a story about monotonous ghosts you know like i don't i don't know man this is a bummer yeah like like cozy grove <laughs> like fucking cozy grove oh god <laughs> you're right uh 
All right. Well, with that in mind, it's been a troubling day for you. <laughs> it's only just beginning. Uh, hey, Shay, you want to play a game? Dan, grow trees with me as we use the sun's light to block our opponents from growing their own. I would love to play a game. That is, of course, a, a nifty little game called Photosynthesis. Not neat. Yeah, that sounds I fun. actually really enjoy that game. If you uncover your board game arena account, yeah, Dan, we should uh, we should play it sometime. All right, yeah, I'm down. Yeah. Uh, with all my ample free time. Well, the good news is, is that it plays really well turn based, so you don't have to be online all the time. I I will say one of my favorite things about board game arena is the I did this with patchwork with with Lex a bunch where we could just like take a turn and then whenever the other person gets around to it, they take their turn. It's great. So to wrap up our unofficial and accidental death month, I thought we would explore the subject of ghostly characters in video games. Though most often depicted as antagonists, ghosts have had several functions throughout gaming history. So today we're going to discuss some of these phantasmic foes as well as some paranormal pals. These are all going to be multiple choice. I just figured we'll do a a real easy one for today just because we haven't done multiple choice in a little bit. There are so many ghosts in games, Shay. Holy fuck. (laughs) Pairing this down to like a quick five (laughs) questioner was way more difficult than I anticipated. Well, hey, listen, that sets you up for eight more quizzes. I very well could. (laughs) Yeah. And I also didn't go like too, too grotesque. One of them, maybe, but we'll see. (laughs) But we're going to start off with the first one. One of the easiest to recognize ghosts in all of game history would be the Pac-Man ghosts. Few things in the early arcade craze were as satisfying as nabbing a power pellet and gobbling all four ghosts before they changed back from their famously vulnerable blue shade. Each uniquely colored ghost is introduced to us by name in the idle animation screen. They are Pinky, Blinky, Inky, and who? Is it A, Stanley, B, Clyde, or C, Seymour? It's Clyde. Yeah, it's Clyde. Yeah. I did just a little bit of research to figure out why it's three that rhyme and one that doesn't and i came up with fuck all (laughs) all that i could find is like clyde's the dumb one and that's it (laughs) like in depictions he's just like the dopey one so yeah easy point i figured you were gonna get that one that's that's a that's a gimme so good good job up next according to bulbapedia there are only about 70 ghost pokemon types in the game's long lineage, making them the third rarest type in the series behind fairy and dragon types. In the first installments, both red and blue, there were only three ghost types to battle on your behalf, Ghastly, Haunter, and Gengar. However, they are not only ghost types. What other type are they classified as? Is it A, flying, B, normal, or C, poison? Well, so (laughs) when the game came out, weren't they just psychic? No. And that's I mean, why I trading, didn't... The inc- trading cards definitely were. The, yeah. the trading cards were, but they also like combined yeah. like ground, rock, and fighting, I think is a singular yes. card type. Yeah, that's true. I'm going gonna, I, I, I'm gonna to say flying. I mean, two out of three of them float. <laughs> that's, my, that's my thing. I, I'm going to stick with flying. I don't know the answer, but I, I think it's flying. It is actually poison. Is it really? Yeah. Even though they don't fucking know any poison moves. So that's the thing. That's cool. <laughs> None of them can learn poison attacks through leveling up. They can learn them through uh-huh. TMs, but that's it. Gengar and Haunter, I think, ha- come with the Lick ability, which has poison effects. Oh, yeah. But yeah. other than that, there's nothing else that can be gained, at least in the early incarnations. Cool. Yeah. All right. I learned something new today. 
It's also interesting because there's not a whole lot of just pure ghost types throughout. Right. And usually they're like the dumb ones, like ghost the fucking sucks. teacup. Oh my God. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Fuck that shit. Ghost types are like the <laughs> worst. Or the keys that we talked about in a previous episode. Wasn't that a ghost type? I think it was a metal type. Oh yeah. You're probably <laughs> like right. Steel or whatever that makes the fuck sense. It's fucking stupid. Yeah. All right. Up next. Boos have been a staple of the Mario franchise since their first appearance in Super Mario Bros. 3 on the NES, appearing throughout dozens of Mario and Luigi's adventures as adversaries, party opponents, or even tennis doubles partners. Now simply known as Boos or Boo Buddies, what was their official name in their debut? Is it A, Boo Diddley, B, Boo Belinsky, or C, Boo Radleys? Fuck, fuck if I know. Let's say A, because I haven't gotten one for A yet. It is A. So, (laughs) in Mario Brothers 3, they named all of the Koopa kids, Koopalings, whatever they're called, after musicians. Like, there's Ludwig and and Iggy for Beethoven and Iggy Pop. And the Boos were named after musician Bo Diddley. So, they are Boo Diddley. Boo Radley, of course, is the character from... To Kill a Mockingbird, that would have been in that uh, just a weird choice. And yeah. I just picked Boo Belinsky out of a hat because Bo Belinsky <laughs> was a pitcher for the major leagues in the 60s. And I'm just like, that could be. Why not? Look at us. A video game and sports podcast. As we have always been. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, he played for a fuck ton of teams, too. He only played in the, in the majors <laughs> for like eight years. And he was like uh-huh. all over the place. He's also, uh, it doesn't matter. We're not actually a sports <laughs> podcast, so this is irrelevant. All right, your next question. Good job on that one. On to your favorite quiz subject, The Legend of Zelda. Oh boy. Several times throughout Twilight Princess, Link is transported to a ghostly realm wherein he is mentored by the hero's shade, an armored skeletal figure who teaches him seven hidden skills. Although it is not explicitly stated in Twilight Princess, it is revealed that the hero's shade is the spirit of a previous incarnation of what Zelda character? Is it A, Ganon, B, Sheik, or C, Link himself? Fuck, Twilight Princess is one of the games that I did actually play, too. You know who I'm talking about? Like, he appears as a white wolf in the the main map, and then he, like, brings you to this ghost realm. Oh, man. I feel like Link is too obvious. I want to say it's Sheik. Sheik? Okay. Yeah. Uh, it is Link. Specifically, yeah, All right. <laughs> the hero of time from Ocarina of Time. Gross. So I think most of this is revealed in the Hyrule Historia book, but it is oh my God. the dead version of the hero of time who has all this regret for not being able to pass his knowledge on to his successors. So he does that with the Link version in Twilight Princess. It's really interesting because it's one of the only ones that like link a different franchise to another one. Majora's yeah. Mask is, an, is a direct continuation of Ocarina. And this is like yeah. so far outside of that. Like it's an entirely yeah. different Hyrule. It's an entirely different everything. Really weird choice, but that's what they did. Hmm. All right. Yep. And your final question for today. In Japan in the mid 1500s, there lived a young girl named Chiharu. Chiharu was the eldest daughter of a powerful ronin who became heartbroken and jaded in the ways of war after one of his disciples was assassinated by a rival, opting to return to the village of his birth to become a farmer and start a family. One night, the village was attacked by invaders. Her father was slain while defending his people, 
and Chiharu took up his Naganada, taking out dozens of attackers before succumbing to her own wounds. Chiharu became the source of inspiration for the village, and a shrine was built in her honor. For generations after, the village elders told stories of Hisako, or the Everlasting Child, a spirit wielding a Naginata who protected the village for centuries through times of clan warfare. And then, her grave was deliberately disturbed by meddling scientists. Hisaku became an Onryo, a venge spirit, obsessed with restoring the graves of her and her family. Hisaku is a playable character in what fighting game? Is it A, <laughs> Guilty Gear, B, Blast Blue, or C, Killer Instinct? We took a journey. I'm sorry have... about all that. <laughs> I have never heard of two of those games. <laughs> So basically, it's the fucking girl from the ring is how she's presented oh, with a Naginata, gotcha. which is okay. uh, one of those pole arms with the big blade on the end of it. Yeah, obviously. Of course. Fuck it. Let's go A again. Uh, I don't know. It, <laughs> I don't know. It's actually Killer Instinct. <laughs> oh, fuck. Yeah. That's the only one I've heard of. I should have gone with that one. <laughs> you haven't heard of Guilty Gear or Blast Blue? <laughs> no, man. I don't play fighting they're games. Wa- they're fucking wacky. I, Not wacky enough to have the girl from the ring in them, though. Well, there is a ghost character in one of them that's like... And it's Fred Durst. Not actually... Well, it's not actually... <laughs> that was good. Not technically a ghost character so much as it is a just regular Australian dude that's possessed by a bunch of different spirits that manipulate his body like a puppet during the fights. It is wild. I believe that's in Guilty Gear. <laughs> it's one of the two. I get Guilty Gear and Blast Blue confused all the time. Oh, yeah, me too, man. Yeah, sorry, Timmy. I know <laughs> uh, he's a fan of the series. But yeah, it's Killer Instinct. So that is two points added to the big board today. I st- stumbled into those two. <laughs> yeah, I... Well, one of them. I mean, anyway. like I said, there's there's a bajillion ghosts in games to cover. So there's tons of opportunity to, to throw some points on there for ghost-related stuff in later installments. But I gotta be honest with you. Yeah. That last question, when you started reading that fucking novelization of the... Yeah, did you zone out? It sounded exactly like the opening of the newest Mortal Kombat movie. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's fair. I feel like when it comes to feudal Japan, there's there's only so many stories that people end up telling. And they're all just kind of the same. I left out some details about how, like, the invaders were actually hired by a dude who proposed to her and she refused. But I didn't think it was... I already made it too long. Kind of intentionally. Just to have it be, which game is this person in? (laughs) Brought me delight. But that is just about going to do it for us today. As always, you can follow us on social media at BNGPod on both Twitter and Instagram where we post custom artwork for every episode and sales that you should be aware of that we call Cheap Codes. If you'd like to share the show, you can do so with our hosting site, which is anchor.fm slash BNGPod, which we will continue to use until we get a better site. And if you would like to follow us on Twitch, you can do so at twitch.tv slash BNGPodcast. If you're listening to this episode the day it comes out, Tomorrow night, Dan and I will be streaming some games. We didn't talk about what they are, but we're going to do it. I think we're going to do the one we're going to cover for the next episode, which if we're keeping within the kayfabe of what our show is, I don't know what it's going to be next. So (laughs) we'll we'll let you know in just a second. But um, if you want to send us an email for any reason, you can do so at brokeandgamingpod at gmail.com. We love getting game submissions as well as any sort of feedback on what we're doing. And also just, you know, Share the show with people, for real. We really like doing this. I know I've said this before, but we want to keep doing this. 
and we we think we have a good thing going here. You know, we're having fun. Why not spread that fun to others? But at any rate, hey Shay, what are we playing next time? Next time, Dan, we'll be playing a not so little game called the Dark Pictures Anthology: Man of Medan. Yeah, this is. Uh... So make sure. <laughs> yeah, this is going to be an undertaking. Gee, it's almost like we should start streaming it tomorrow to get some basis for it. But, you know, we'll see. But until then, goodbye absolutely everyone. Goodbye. Goodbye.